Hey there, lovely souls. I'm your host, Allison Toth, and I want to give you a warm welcome to Wishing You Wellness, the podcast where mental health meets spirituality. When it comes to rock bottom, I've been there more than once, and I know what it's like to wake up daily to mental health struggles. On this podcast, I share insight and stories to help motivate and inspire you and to help you feel less alone in this. In Wishing You Wellness, we talk inner child healing, mindset shifts, radical self-love, the art of intentional living, and so much more. Think of me as your mental wellness bestie. If you're ready to step into your power and change your life, just hit play. Hello, beautiful podcast listeners of the internet. Welcome back to another week of wishing you wellness. It is so good to see your faces. I am back today in the virtual recording studio with somebody who I've had to uh, like really like be intentional about planning with because her and I's schedules just seem to like clash in every single way. The universe kept telling us though that this episode needed to happen. And so you know what we did? We kept freaking trying until we got it nailed down. We found a time we were both available and still the universe was like, ha ha ha. And it was like messing with her internet and messing with my camera. And we were just determined to get together and bring you guys our message. So that said, if today is like a super crazy potent episode and you're wondering why, probably because we're recording on 222 and because it took a lot of energy and intention to get us to this space. So Serena, I would like to welcome you to Wishing You Wellness to my audience. Serena is an OBM. I'm going to pass over to her so she can explain what that is. But first of all, I want to thank you for being so patient with my crazy ass schedule and for taking the time to pop on to Wishing You Wellness with me today. Oh my God. I'm so excited. I'm so glad that we're finally doing this. And like all of the little things that happened I'm like okay I'm feeling that this really needs to happen this conversation because one you and I vibed so much and also like we were both still trying like even though things were happening we're like no we got this we got this um okay yeah so I'm an OBM for healers and coaches an OBM is basically like you said a um, virtual assistant on steroids. I love that. Um, I have a lot of experience in like retreat spaces and then moving on into the online space and yeah, just working in like tech systems and business management. Oh, okay. Okay. So how did you get into that? That's my favorite question to ask is what led you to your current career path? Yeah. So it's been a long, long journey for sure, but I love it. Um, it really started with plant medicine, if I'm being totally honest. When I was probably back in like 2019, I did my first ayahuasca ceremony in Ecuador, traveled by myself, like all the crazy, scary things, you know, and I fell in love with retreats. And then from then on, I was just like always trying to be in retreat spaces. And then I started hosting my own retreats. And I noticed that there was a huge gap between like people who host retreats and who are healers and then like them not having any sort of support system, you know, because it's as you know, like it's really it takes a lot of energy to like hold emotional space for people. And if you don't have someone with like your hand with their hand on your back, then you're exhausted by the end of it. And so I just really wanted to like fill that gap and be the person that's like, supporting these coaches in their business and just like being your cheerleader and your sister and your best friend and like all the things. I think that's amazing. And you guys, Serena is not lying, planning retreats, so much more goes into it than you would ever realize. And when I had my first business a couple of years ago, Pretty Dope Tours, I didn't really have help and I was trying to do it all by myself. And so it was like compiling and it wasn't enjoyable anymore. And I really wasn't doing my best work. And so this time when I planned Camp Heart for my coaching space, I was like, 
okay, first thing I want to do before I even book the video is book an assistant. And so literally before I even booked the Airbnb, I hired my friend Amanda. I was like, look, I need a go-to woman. I need a go-to girl on this retreat who I can kind of just like tag in for little things like running to the store or like looking over numbers. Like there's so many things that go into planning a retreat or even like a coaching program and having someone like you there to just like make sure everything runs smoothly is so game changing. I feel like. Yeah. And it's also just so nice to like have somebody as a sounding board, you know, like a lot of what I do with clients is just coaching sometimes. Like sometimes they just need to bounce ideas off of me. And I feel like a business therapist sometimes, like I'll be on like strategy calls with clients or something and they're telling me what's going on or they're unsure of something. They're like, I don't really think I can do this. And my response usually is just like, okay, tell me about it. Like giving them the opportunity to even tell me and open up about what's going on. Cause usually they don't have the opportunity to talk about things like that. And then when they tell me, I automatically just like mirror and reflect back everything that they've said to me, like, okay, well, I heard you get really lit up about this. And it, I hear you thinking that you only have this option, but really like as your OBM, I know that we can do this and this in a hybrid program. And so it's just kind of like being a therapist and be like, hey, here's a different perspective. Yeah. Oh, I heard a really good quote that was like, a good coach doesn't have all of the answers. They have all of the questions. And I was like, that's right. Like a good coach, a good therapist, a good mentor. They're not sitting there feeding you the answers. They're helping you uncover the answers that are already inside of you that are like inherently a part of you. Yes, exactly. And I always say that too about like coaches and teachers it's like a good teacher doesn't create students a teacher creates masters or like other teachers right chills I love that that's so good (laughs) and so I know you are like always traveling around every time I see your Instagram you're like checking into an Airbnb where are you at today I'm literally in an Airbnb (laughs) where is that Airbnb located in less specific terms (laughs) Yeah, so <laughs> I'm at an Airbnb in Little Rock, Arkansas right now. I'm from Arkansas. Um, and, you know, like we talked about this a little bit, like we have both kind of been living the nomadic lifestyle and then kind of trying to ground down and like put our feet down for a little bit and like ground. So that's what I've been doing. But I do still try to incorporate my adventurous spirit into things. So I'll book an Airbnb like out of town at least once a month. Oh, I love that. It's so good to just get out of town, even if it's for literally a night. I think what people don't understand about solo travel and like the experience of traveling by yourself is you don't have to book a flight to Asia or Africa or like anywhere in the world to experience that. You can literally go to the next town over, get an Airbnb, take yourself out to dinner, walk around the town and bam, that's still a solo adventure. Yes, dude. Yeah. And it's like, if you can't, if you can't afford, like if you don't have a budget right now, that's something that's like so easy, even just getting a hotel and having a bath and doing like a really good skincare routine or something like that can be so healing. Uh And it reminds you of like who you are when you do things alone, I think. Yeah. So I was saying the other day, I think that the reason solo travel is important is because we don't really know what we like to do if we're always in a group. Like if we're always making a decision with three or four or five or six other people having their opinion weigh in, we don't really know what we want. We just know how well we can compromise to go along with what other people want. So like when you get by yourself, that's the question. What do I want to do? Like I have all of this time, nobody to answer to. What does my soul need? And so my question for you is what does Serena's soul need? When you go away, when you have alone time, how do you like to spend it? What's your favorite way to spend a night? Oh, that's a good question. 
Um, well, it's interesting because I've been going, you know, a couple of, what year is this? Last year, I um, stepped out of a two-year relationship and it was a very intimate relationship. And it was really the first time that I had ever like trusted anyone. Like I was very hyper independent my whole life until then. So then I got into this very like almost codependent relationship. And when I came out of it, I was very much like, man, I don't know what I like to do. Like, I don't even know who I am anymore. Like I've been wrapped up in this other person for so long, which we all experience that. And Girl, in real time. Hi. <laughs> I just got my own place. So I'm with you. Literally. Yes. Oh, congrats. Thank Love you. that. This is my space. You get like a tiny view of it. There's like a tiny little twin bed that I just ordered because <laughs> I didn't have my own bed. It's like, it's crazy. Like how much you realize stepping out of a relationship, like how much of yourself you lost on accident. Because the thing was, I had a lovely partner. He didn't ask me to sacrifice parts of myself, but me being who I am, somebody who's recovering from codependency, I was willingly like, I don't need to do things for me. I'll just be a we, like I'll be a part of this couple. And then as soon as I started living on my own again, I was like, whoa, there are so many little facets of myself that I just kind of like put on pause or like threw on the back burner so I could focus on my relationship. And then like, I got to the end of it and I was like, damn, the relationship may have flourished more had I just worried about myself and put more intention and love and care into myself. And I just want to do that for me because it feels good. Yeah, 100%. I totally resonate with that. And I'm wondering, because this is kind of what I deal with sometimes. Do you feel like your narrative is like, if you are, if you do things, like if you sacrifice yourself, you're showing someone how much you love them. Like that's your form of like, love and I've learned that from my family members like growing up that was how I was supposed to show love to people I cared about was like martyrdom yeah like putting myself on the back burner yeah straight up people pleasing self-sacrifice like we're told this is the way and then when we end up resentful and like bitter we're like why do we feel like this and it's like well because we've been like give give giving ourselves. but it's like you said when you grew up in a family where that was the norm that's what's normal to you I think it's important that everybody remembers, like, we all grew up with such a different reality. Like, your only reality as a kid was what you saw within the walls of your house. Like, that was what was real to you. That was what family looked like. That's what love looked like. That's what trust looked like. So if you grew up with kind of like a distorted view of that, I feel like it's really hard to break and to kind of come into your own. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, wait, go ahead. Okay, so uh, did, wait, was this on topic? Because I'm about to segue totally. No, that's totally fine. <laughs> so uh, this makes me want to go deeper into the solo travel rabbit hole because I'm a traveler, but I don't really talk about it a lot on my podcast. I'm mostly focused on like mental health and all that, which I think is incredible, but I've always wanted to go deeper into the travel stuff. So how, uh, how do you think travel helps us find ourselves? How do you think that someone just like packing up their bags going off alone, like on a solo adventure, how can that impact you? What do you think are like the benefits to living like that and being nomadic and being an adventurous wander spirit? Yeah. Oh, well, like you're getting out of your comfort zone, first of all. And I know it's so scary. It's so icky to be like, oh, I have to, like, I'm so comfortable where I am. You know, I'm in my little town. I know where everything is. But when you get out of your comfort zone, first of all, living in living in other places teaches you so much about the world. Like living in New York, I learned so much about just people in general. And it's like, 
there are people from all over the world in that city, right? So you're really getting to experience the whole world. So I think that teaches you a lot about yourself when you learn more about other people and how they operate. And then also it's like, you have to become strong and make your own decisions because solo travel can be tricky sometimes like you things happen and you have to figure out what to do yeah it's literally not a solo trip until something has gone horribly wrong and I say that like not to scare people away but to prepare them for the reality of travel like it is what it is I love travel I wouldn't change my life but I'd be lying if I said shit didn't go wrong all the time because that's just kind of the nature of travel like things planes are gonna be late flights are gonna be canceled you're gonna miss a taxi like some shit's gonna go wrong and a lot of travel is how you handle that and like the way that you handle yourself um it's also crazy how many core similarities we have I lived in New York I went to Ecuador and like fell in love like it's just like we have a lot of like aligned stories (laughs) Wait, you fell in love in Ecuador too? Oh, I love Ecuador. I didn't fall in love with the person, but I fell in love with the city of Quito. I was like, this place, the night scene was like the best night scene I've ever experienced. Like we went out on New Year's Eve. I think I kissed like 10 boys. Sorry, grandma, mom, whoever. But like, that was like the year of my life where I had just become like old enough to come into my own. And like, I was just in my party girl phase. I was like, woo, cute South American boys. It's New Year's Eve. There's fireworks. There's tequila. I'm 19. So I can drink legally here. Like it was, it was my first international trip without family. So I love that. Oh my gosh, we do have similarities. That was my first international. Well, it was my only international trip. Actually, I haven't been out of the country other than Ecuador. <gasps> you down for Europe? Spring 2024? Well, yes. Off we go. Are Winter we 2023? <laughs> Where are we going? Let's see. I was literally telling my friend Maddie the other day, I was like, I really want to get back to Europe, especially with like Germany. I think Budapest would be so fun. I want to go to Amsterdam because when I was finishing living in Europe, I did like a little tour of a few countries and I was supposed to end in Amsterdam, but things did not go as planned. Like my friend and I who were traveling together got into this big argument. Like now that I look back as an adult, I'm like, man, Allison, you should have just like swallowed your pride, said, sorry, made it right, finished Amsterdam and come home. But at the time I was undiagnosed bipolar. So like, we're having this fight. I'm having these insane, intense emotions. And I call my mom and I'm like, I'm freaking out. Like I need to be home right now. Like fly me home from Italy. And the next morning I woke up and my phone was broken. And that was like the nail in the coffin. I was like, no, 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 no. Because I'm like in the middle of Europe. My friend and I have parted ways because we just needed to separate, put space. And now my phone's not working. And so I ended up finally making it home. But I was like, man, as much as I really wish I would have gone to Amsterdam, but I knew that I wasn't in the headspace to enjoy it the way that I want to. Like, I want to go to Amsterdam and have it be incredible and life-changing because that's how I picture Amsterdam. I don't picture it being that city that I like sit in my Airbnb with a broken phone, like waiting for my flight. So I think the universe had my back and I guess I'm supposed to go back for a more special trip in the future. Yes, I love that. And you'll appreciate it so much more now because it's like you missed it and now it's and now like it's here. It's yeah. Worth the worth the yeah, wait. Definitely worth the wait. I would love to go to Amsterdam. I kind of also have I I mean, gosh, that's so funny. We do have a lot of similarities. I have a story like that as well, except for I was in Chicago and it was me and my best friend at the time, and we were at Lollapalooza. And like I was young. I was probably like 19 
and, you know, had no idea what I was doing. Definitely shouldn't have been with the people that I was with. Like we didn't know these people were like in their apartment in Chicago. It was just two young girls. I look back on stuff like that and I'm like, how did I survive? (laughs) How did I not get murdered? I mean, thank you, the universe for having my back, but also like, that's crazy. You are literally me. Every study abroad trip I've ever been on, I've snuck out at some point in the night to like go on a Tinder date or to like meet up with people I found online. And I look back and I'm like, first of all, how are you alive? Thank you, universe. Second of all, oh my God, my poor teachers, like Alice in the liability. She's sneaking out of her dorm room so she can go on this like Tinder date with an Australian in Taiwan. Um, that's actually a really funny story. So I'm going to pull that one from the archives for you guys. So I'm in, I'm in Taiwan one late night, Serena. And I was like, I want to go on one date while I'm here. I'm like, the men here are gorgeous. Like I want to go on a date with a Taiwanese man. So I'm like going through, I'm looking at all these handsome men on Tinder. And then this like random Australian guy pops up and I'm like, oh, he's kind of attractive too. He looks nice. He's like, let's go on this date. Like meet me here. And I'm like, okay, let's do this. He ho. And so off I went into the night. It was like seven or 8 PM. I met up with him and we, he told me to like dress cute. And so I did, I like wore a dress and everything. And he's like, okay, we're getting on these city bikes. And I was like, why? And he was like, we're just going to take these city bikes across town. And I'm like, okay. So we end up biking like 10 plus miles probably. And I'm literally behind this guy in like a dress, like heaving. I have like cute little lingerie under. It doesn't matter. I'm like sweating balls and like fighting for my life. And that was our date. We literally like took these bikes around the town. I was like, oh, honestly, it was giving off the vibe of those families who run 5Ks like at 5 a.m. on the holidays. I was like, this is great. This is awesome. But this is not the life that I'm going to live. <laughs> Interesting. What was the point of that? I was trying to tire you out for something. I was going to say, I thought this was a date like where we like we were all flirty and stuff. But it felt more like being with the bros. He was like, you can do it. You can do it. Because I could like barely get up the hill. So he was like coaching me. I was like, this is so embarrassing. This is like an ego death happening. Do you have any cringy Tinder stories from traveling? Ooh, no, I don't do Tinder when I'm traveling. I'm like, "Mm." dodged a bullet, girl. It was not a fun phase. I outgrew it like a year ago and I'm like two years ago before my relationship and I, I don't miss it. The only thing predictable is like the people are going to be unpredictable. (laughs) Yeah, no, seriously. I will say Tinder in other states is really fun. Like Arkansas is kind of mid, if I'm being totally honest. (laughs) Sorry, my Arkansas listeners, you're mid as fuck. (laughs) Love you guys. (laughs) But like, we're a little mid over here. When I was living in New York, me and my roommates would literally just like smoke a joint or something. And we would just swipe for fun, you know, like, Ooh, what's trying to, it's so fun to think of their backstory. Like what made this guy the way he is? Why does he have a whale tattoo on his chest? Like, (laughs) you know, it's like people watching, but better because you can't get caught. (laughs) Exactly. And you don't have to talk. Like you, if they catch you making eye contact, you don't have to have a conversation. You can just like creep into their lives. And then you're like, okay. Little swipe, swipe, scroll, scroll. Oh, that's so funny. What is your take on online dating? I'm always so curious to hear what people think about it and like what other people's opinions are. Because for me, at least, like I did it in my early 20s, haven't gotten into it since my last partner, just because I feel like when the universe wants me to meet somebody, I'm going to meet them and we're going to meet in person. And I'm not going to have to like facilitate or put in that extra work, but that's just me. And at like most of my friends online date and I'm like, that's amazing for you. So where are you on the spectrum of online dating? Yeah. 
So I kind of went through that too. Like I, when I was younger, like early twenties, I was all about Tinder or whatever, because I wasn't, you know, I also worked at a bar. So I was meeting men all the time, obviously, but like not the type of men that I should have been with, but mm. I was young. So fine. Mm-hmm. Yep. But like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I did Tinder for a while. It was cool. But then when I was in my serious relationship, that was a two year thing. And when I came out of it, I was like, man, I don't know anybody. Like, I don't really even know if I want to go on a date. Let me just try Tinder, see what's up. Um, I ended up meeting, I'm a one guy kind of person or like a one person person, you know, like I can't focus on too many people at one time. And I ended up meeting this guy on Tinder. Um, we dated for a couple of months. It was one of those things where, and I, this is kind of why I've quit online dating because I feel like we do this thing where like things automatically get physical or you automatically like get tangled up in someone. And then you realize after you're already entangled that you don't actually like that person. Mm. Very don't, we like put on don't. the rose colored glasses. Exactly. Yeah. And you're like, and then both of you are trying to make the other person who you want them to be instead of just like letting them be who they are. And so now I'm like, oh, I don't really like online dating. And also, I just don't think that the person that I like long term want to be with is on a dating app, honestly. They're not looking that hard, right? They're just kind of doing their thing. Yeah. Ooh, girl, that brings up such a good point. Something that's been on my heart lately is why do we fall in love and then spend a year getting to know somebody why don't we spend a year getting to know somebody and then fall in love with them lately I've been toying with that idea of like how do we slow everything down because for me at least all of my relationships have started so quickly and just like a forest fire it's just like one second there's like a kiss and a first date and then we're like living together like my last boyfriend, I have so much love for him still to this day, but we moved in together so early. It was like three or four months in. And the reason was money. Like at the time we were like, oh, it'll save us so much money if we live together, if we share a space. But then we realized really quickly, like, oh shit, sharing a space is a big deal. Like it's not something that you should do lightly or with like little intention. You have to know that you're going to be compromising and you're going to be like making some sacrifices. And it's just such a bigger thing. I think then we realize. And so at least for me, I feel like I can't get my head around online dating because I'm like, I just wouldn't know the person to the extent that I have grown to need to know a person. Like back when I was 18, if I knew your favorite color and your middle name, we could date and that would be fine. But I'm kind of to the point now where I'm like, okay, but like, how's your credit? And like, uh, how do you talk about your exes? Are you like an ex hater? And like, what's your attachment style? And like, do you like gaslight people? And like, there's so many more questions I have than I used to. Also, I need to meet your mom before we get into this, because I need to understand why you are the way that you are. (laughs) You know, that's the one, that's the one dude. And just like family in general, huge. There are so many outside sources that like, play into whether or not the relationship is going to work out long-term. Like I feel like a long-term partner is so much more than just like a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a partner, like it is like your life mate. And so like, you want to really make sure that this is the person that's ride or die for you. But also I think something that's important to note here is like your partner is not going to complete you. Your partner is not going to make you whole or make you full. And so if you go around looking for another half, 
you are insinuating to the world that you are a half and that you are not full on your own. And so I think for me, a huge lesson was that there's not a man out there who's going to make me full or complete me. Like my job, my job as Allison is to complete Allison and fill her up. And then you're going into the world, like dating for connection rather than dating to have your basic needs met. Yes. Yes. And not putting all of your eggs in one basket in terms of like, like I always say it's, it's, it almost feels wrong to expect one person to meet all of the needs that you have. Like, okay, I'm putting all of this faith in you to meet all of my needs. And if you don't do it, I'm going to be disappointed in you. Like, that's just a recipe for disaster. That's not going to go well, you know, and it puts a lot of pressure on both parties. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important to like, one, not completely outsource your pleasure like have your own things that you can do for yourself that bring you pleasure also having a good pleasure practice really great um you know like a good self-pleasure um but also yeah like just not expecting like having other outlets so whether that's like going to the gym having a good support like friend group um having a therapist is my favorite you know things like that oh I got I got some cold hard truth to drop on you guys and it might hurt your partner is not your therapist. Bam. I said it, whatever. Cancel me. I'm going to be canceled tomorrow. I don't care. Listen, as someone who, people in the back. Yeah. Louder. So let me say this into the microphone. Um, for 10 years, probably well, maybe less than that. I was dating for like five for five years. I treated my partners like they were a legitimate psychiatrist and guess what? They weren't. And that was unfair and not right because these people that we are like dating unless they went to school for psychology, they cannot understand the things that are going on in your mind. They cannot rewire thought patterns for you. They cannot tell you what medication to take. They cannot keep you on the deep end. Only you can do that. And so if you go to a partner and you're looking for them to be your emotional support and your security, that's putting so much weight on them that they are not going to be able to carry for super long. Like maybe at the beginning they can, but it's not sustainable. It's not something that can last. And so instead, if you take care of your mental health, on the side, then you can show up in your relationship as a more firm and steady and strong version of yourself rather than being like, ah, I'm a mess. And I need you to hold me together because you're my partner. And that's your job is to hold me together because maybe that's what we saw mom and dad do, or maybe that's what our relationships have always been. Like I talked about this a few episodes ago with, uh, Meredith. And we talked about like the programming in Disney movies and how like the princess always needs to be saved. And she is always saved just in time by the prince. And so literally as like five and six-year-old girls in America were shown these videos and it's around the world. So it's not just America. And it's like, here's the movie. You're going to grow up. You're going to wait in your tower. One day a prince is going to come and then you're going to be okay again. And then you're going to be fixed and you're going to have what you need. And so like, we're kind of set up for failure in that way with the kind of programming that happens in our society. What is your take? Yes, 100%. Yeah. And also like, save me from what? What do we need to be saved from? What do women need to be saved from? That is such a narrative that like we need. And I'm not trying to get on my soapbox about men. I understand that I do it sometimes. Get up there. (laughs) You know, like I love men. I really do. And I know that I'm curious if this is something that you also experience. um, Because I've just been asking all of my sisters this, if this is something that you've noticed about like this rift that's happening right now between men and women. And it's like kind of scary sometimes, but there's a shift happening. Right. And there's like, 
it's like the the tower card in tarot you know like everything needs to fall down so that we can build again and this is a tarot like a paradigm that is really getting destroyed right now about stories about women and how we need to be saved by men and we need them to take care of us and we need all these things for them and it's not just like us it's also them like it's tearing down the paradigm for them too of like they They have to be providers exactly yeah like all of these things that we the stories that we put on them and we put on us that I just don't want to live by that shit anymore like I really Mm -hmm. don't no and I love how you bring up the fact that it affects us both like women have always been seen as the victim and the one who needs saving men have been forced into the role of being the hero which we from the outside looking in may look like the good thing but it's like imagine your life's purpose was to support everyone around you and to like pay for people and to like just put all of your time and energy into a woman. Like that's not right either. We have to be able to recognize the like balance and the duality of the situation. And it's like Serena said, we love men. We just want to like change the narrative. So it's like women and men, neither are the victim or hero. Like we're all just people. We're all just human. And I think that's what feminism is. I think there's like a stigma that feminism is like getting on a soapbox and being like, fuck men. It's like, no, Mm -mm. we don't stand that. That's not actually feminism. That's like taking your aggression and like turning it into like something. Feminism is like truly genuinely wanting us and men to be on the same playing field and to be kind to each other and to be good to each other. And honestly, in my opinion, for gender roles to cease to exist because it's 2023. We just don't need gender roles. I mean, there are <laughs> there are too many genders and types of relationships and types of love for us to put like box A or box B. Right. Boxes. Oh, my God. So we put everything in boxes like and it makes us feel safe. I understand why we do it. Like it makes okay, like I understand this goes here, this goes here. This is black, this is white. If I'm being totally honest with you, nothing is black, nothing is white. Everything is freaking gray. Like there's no there's every, like you're saying, there's there's so many different genders right now. There's so much going on, so much changing in the world and I'm so here for it and I love it. There's no like specific model that we need to follow that is going to be like the perfect thing I don't really agree with that I think everyone's different and it's the same like finding a diet for your body like if it a certain diet that works for me might not work for you a certain relationship model that works for me might not work for you or the next person so true so how do we find what's right for us what do you think it's trial and error Ooh, yeah I think so I think also having good boundaries is such a like knowing what you want and knowing, I kind of tell my clients all the time, like know what your yes and no services are. And I feel that way in relationships too. Like what are my yes and no's that I'm comfortable with? And not just with like my relationships, my romantic relationships, but my relationships with friends and family. Like what am I okay with? What am I not okay with? Where are my boundaries? Where are my hard boundaries and my kind of like mediated boundaries? And then from there, like, yeah, figuring out what's a good compromise between the two of us. Oh, I love that you bring up boundaries. Boundaries is like a topic that I could touch on all day, every day, because it's just been so transformative in my life. Like up until this year, last year, yeah, last year, this year, I didn't really have steady, stable friends. Like I had like some lifelong buddies, but I did not have like super deep, intimate female friendships. And what has changed that and what has allowed me to have those is my ability to set and also receive boundaries. 
because for a long time, my girls would set a boundary with me and be like, don't joke about that or whatever. And my ego would get so triggered. I'd be like, what? Oh my gosh, they're attacking me. Right. This is, this is how we know we're in our ego. If we're using words like attack, they're out to get me. They're plotting on me. That's how, you know, Mr. Ego has the mic and you need to take that shit back from him. That is like a surefire sign. And so at the time I was not receptive to boundaries. And so a friend would set a boundary. I would neglect it. And they would stop being my friend. And after seeing that a couple of times, I finally made the connection of like, okay, one, I am allowed to set boundaries that protect me and those around me. And two, the people around me are allowed to set boundaries that protect them and me. And I have to be receptive to them. When you're setting the boundary, your only job is to set it. And that is it. Other people's reaction, not your business. When you are receiving the boundary, all you have to do is receive it. That is it. Nothing else is your business. And so kind of simplifying our roles and boundaries, I feel like can be a little helpful. Yes. Preach. That's so good. Yeah. Have you ever read, um, unfuck your boundaries? No, but I've heard it's on my list. You need to, everyone should read it. I feel like, especially because I've also struggled with having boundaries. Um, I was in like a, my family relationships, like I had a really codependent relationship with my dad growing up and he was a drug addict. And so I was always taking care of him and his teachings to me were basically like, I wasn't really allowed to have boundaries with him because I was his caretaker. Right. So I carry that over into my adult relationships where it's like, I thought that I could never have boundaries with anyone because it would mean that I didn't love them. Mm. And she says something in there. Cause I also struggled with that of like having feeling like my friends didn't like me if they set boundaries with me. And when I read that book, it really set things up for me. Cause she said that, um, if you have a hard time setting boundaries, you don't understand them. So you actually also have a hard time respecting other people's boundaries when they set them. And that's so true because I had never set a boundary a day in my life until like the last year or two. Because instead of setting the boundary, I would go behind the other person's back and be like, me, 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 me. And then one day I kind of realized like that doesn't do anything. That doesn't solve the conflict. That doesn't put us in a better situation. All it does is build resentment and bitterness in me when the other person, like, here's the thing. We can't expect other people to respect our boundaries if we don't set them. Right. And so it took me a long time to realize how much of my responsibility it is to be like, Hey, I don't like when we talk about this. Or, hey, I have to leave by 2 a.m. Or, hey, this is how I am. Like, I didn't realize how much of that responsibility falls on us. Yeah, that's so tough. Oh, my gosh, that's such a good point. Like, it is tough because you have to take responsibility for it. And it's so much easier to put it off on everyone else and be like, oh, well, they just don't get me or they don't appreciate me or whatever. I feel like your spiritual awakening happens when you realize that your actions have impact on others. I feel like that's where my spiritual journey began. Like literally I was going through life. I was just like impacting everyone and not feeling any repercussions. And then I slowed down and it all hit me. And I was like, I'm an asshole. And then I was like, this is spiritual awakening. You guys, the dark night of the soul has come. It is time to face your shadow self. Like, yeah, I think that a lot of us um, think that boundaries are, scary because we're not familiar with them. Like, I think that a lot of us weren't shown boundaries growing up because the generations above us just really didn't have the education and the resources that we have to understand things like boundaries and gaslighting and so on. So we're kind of like the trailblazers in that way, I guess. Yeah, we are. Look at us go. We got it. 
Ow, ow. And so that, that kind of brings me to, I want to circle back to something you had said earlier. You had talked about ayahuasca. And so I would like to open up some time to talk plant medicine. I'm thinking the title for this episode is going to be like dating, spirituality, plant meds. Like I'm just going to throw a bunch of buzzwords in there to get people here. And then they'll be like, oh God, this is such a great conversation. I'm so glad I tuned in. So, so I can add it to the title. Let's talk plant medicine. I love it. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, I have so many feelings about plant medicine and I will preface with, because I always say this to people when they ask me about ayahuasca or any type of plant medicine, because, you know, I facilitated like mushroom retreats for a little while as well, which I love, but also I think that there's a lot of stuff. I mean, it's such a buzz popular thing right now. And I love it. I love that it's popular. I also think that there's a lot of room for misinformation and glamorizing things that don't really need to be glamorized. Mm -hmm. So we need disclaimers. Yeah. Like I will say, I'm never going to like, I will never sugarcoat anything. I will be 100% honest about it. And my experience is my experience. And I could never like explain to people what ayahuasca is because even shamans won't explain to you what it is they'll just be like if you're feeling called to the medicine you're feeling called to the medicine you know that's so important I put on all of my posts on Instagram and stuff when it comes to like microdosing mushrooms talk to your doctor talk to you know yourself this is not medical advice this is not me telling you to go out and do it because each person is so different And I think that especially with it being glamorized right now, plant medicine is kind of being looked at as like a magic pill. And one thing that it is not is a magic pill. Um, One of the questions I got on my story about plant medicine last week was, why do mushrooms make me more anxious? I thought they were supposed to make me feel better. And I was like, well, here's the thing. They're actually not here to make you feel better. They're here to make you feel, period. Like end of sentence, feel like they're not here to make you just like suddenly understand the meaning of life or suddenly have it together or be healed. Like they're here to uncover things so that you can get a better look. I think of it as like pushing the sand aside and like seeing what's underneath. That's more of what psychedelics do and plant medicines do. They kind of bring up the stuff that's already there. They don't just like paint over it. And I think that because in today's age, we're used to like pharmaceuticals, you want an anxiety pill, you take it 15 minutes later, you're chilling. It's not that way with plant medicine, right? We have to do our work with it. Yeah. And it's so much more worth it in the end because you're working through something versus working around it. And you're just going to keep going around it all the time. Like you're never going to get through it if you keep avoiding it. Mm. And I think that like, so kind of what I transferred over into plant medicine from was festivals. Like I used to be a festival girl and I was going to festivals all the time and I was doing psychedelics and that's fun and I love it. But I got to a point where I was like, I'm having the same conversations every time I'm having the same experience, you know, and there's this energy here of like, we're connecting, but we're not connecting. Like if something comes up and someone's having a hard time, the, the vibe is like, don't think about it. It's okay. Just get up and dance with us. Like it'll be okay. You're fine. You're fine. Be positive, you know, good vibes. Um, and I think if you're in good circles, like maybe that doesn't happen, but that was kind of my experience. And so when I found plant medicine, I was kind of expecting that same thing. And it was a huge shock for me because I was like, oh, we're not good vibe in this. We're like going deep into the dark depths and dealing with it and pulling all of that stuff out and then laying it on the table and looking at it 
And something that I always say is like, what happens when we take like dark things out of the shadows and move them into the light? They're not dark anymore, right? Because the light's shining on it. So that's kind of how we deal with our our shit is Mm -hmm. by like putting it out there. And so for my listeners, how would you define the difference between using psychedelics recreationally versus using plants as legitimate medicine? What does that look like? Yeah, so I think using psychedelics recreationally um someone said something to me one time about like it's a celebration of life and I love that I feel like that's a really good like I think if you're going to do recreationally like it is a celebration of life and also just sometimes you need to let loose and have fun it's not good to have super hardcore rules on you all the time that's going to lead to a lot of burnout and whatever else but I think when we sit down and you know, use plant medicine for spiritual growth, for healing, all of those things, which we can do that even when it's recreational. I just think that the main difference is intention and intention is my, one of my favorite words. It's such an important thing. If you do everything with intention, you know what your intention is. I think it's going to work out for you either way. That whole time you were talking, the word intention was coming up. I was like, it's your intention, right? It's your, it's why you're going into the trip. And I think the same can be said with things like medical marijuana. Like, are we, I think that it's important to note that plant medicines can also be abused. I feel like this is segueing so heavy, but like, I always have to make this disclaimer of like, just because it is from nature and technically good for you does not mean you can't abuse it. So I think of like medicinal marijuana, it's like, are you smoking all day, every day, because you don't want to feel your feelings and you want to be zoned out and like a zombie. Cause I did that for a very, very long time. Or are you smoking to like enhance, you know, your bedtime routine and like enjoy your hike a little more, get more into the mystery book you're reading? Like, what are your intentions with marijuana? What are your intentions with psilocybin? What are your intentions with the ayahuasca? It makes such a difference. Yes. And respecting the plant that you're using, because like, if you think about, okay, so in America or just in the world in general, we have this tendency to, we find one good thing and then we OD on it. Like we are like, like essential oils, like essential, I don't understand essential oils. I love them, but also like there's the way they're being produced right now is so bad for the environment and so bad for plants. Like it's not good, but that was one of those things that was just like a buzz thing. And then everybody wanted to use them and like heal or think they're going to like fix everything. Yeah. That's not how it works. Mm-hmm. We need to respect the plants like cocaine, coca leaves. Obviously that's where cocaine comes from in shamanism. They like chew on coca leaves throughout um, plant throughout like ceremonies and plant medicine ceremonies so that they can stay awake and like be present. They we don't- did it in Peru. They were like at the hotel, they had cocoa leaves and they were like, this helps with altitude sickness. And I was like, yeah, okay. Yes. But it's like, it's like cocaine, obviously, which is a huge, like addictive thing yeah. is a very, very concentrated version of that. Or like poppy seeds, you know, I work with herbs a lot. Poppy seeds obviously are what opioids are made from, but opioid, op- sorry opiates (laughs) yeah opiates are like there's an opiate epidemic right now but poppy seeds and like poppy I make like a poppy tincture that is really good for you and it's like a nice sedative Mm -hmm. but when we take them to these extremes is when they become really unhealthy yeah so it's like any any product any chemical can be used for good or bad it's just kind of like where are your intentions at where's your mindset at too 
when you are having the plant medicine experience, because I also hear a lot, how do you not have a bad trip? Like blah, blah, blah. And first of all, I want to preface with a bad trip is very subjective because the very best trip of my entire life, I sobbed for like four hours, but it was like the most cathartic and like healing and like purging experience. But to most people, they'd be like, I do not want to sit and cry like that. What is that? And so like, I think it's so important to recognize the weight that, how do I say this? Like, the intensity and the true weight of using these medications. They're not something that you should just like throw on and like go out for the day or like go for a drive, like your place, your setting, the people you're around, it's all really important. So how do you set up for a good plant medicine experience? How do you prepare yourself, prepare the area? What's that look like? Yeah. So, well, I get really, really deep with it because like I I do have deep, deep roots with like shamanism and ceremony. So, you know, I set up an altar. Um, I will preface, even when I do these things, that doesn't mean that I have a great experience. Like the last time I did a mushroom ceremony, I got attacked by a raccoon. It was literally the wildest thing that's ever happened to me. (laughs) It was insane. Please tell that story. We always have time for that story. Okay. 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 So the thing is that this is the problem. I was not respecting the medicine. I was coming to the medicine. It was mushrooms. I was coming to the medicine in terms of like, I'm going through this really difficult thing right now. And I just need you to fix me. Like, please just make it okay. Right. And so I go out into the woods in this like random place in Arkansas and I'm camping by myself. I set up my tent. I like, I'm searching for firewood all day long. Um, And then like, I set up my altar, which is what I do. I set my intention. I spend all day journaling and like processing what I need to process. And then it's the middle of the night. Um, I had taken like three grams and obviously that's like an, that's an okay dose, you know, and I was feeling good. Things were like happening. And I was like, you know what? I brought two more. I might as well just like do a hero dose, which I've done in ceremony before, but I was with other people. I was not by myself. And, um, and so I do that and things just start happening. Like I'm sobbing. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sick of being alone. And I'm like talking to the fire, which I think is also a very important element of ceremony is having the elements present. So like water, fire, earth, air, you know, like representing those things. And I'm like talking to the fire because that's the grandfather and I'm telling my problems. And then this raccoon keeps running up behind me. And every time I would like turn around, he would like scutter off. (laughs) I got so scared that I put the fire out, which is super disrespectful to the fire. And after that, things got even more crazy and the forest turned into like this thing that was out to get me. And I'm pretty sure a bear walked through my campsite. Um, and this raccoon was growling at me and like trying to attack me through the tent all night long. And finally in the middle of the night, and I was so scared. Like I was really just like, in a like, it showed me how strong I am though. Cause I was like, damn, I'm a warrior woman. Like I was really in this tent ready to fight this raccoon. This sounds like a TV show, like women lost in the wild. <laughs> Seriously. That's what it felt like. It was insane. So I like finally had decided, I was like, you know what? He can have my tent. I'm going to get my car. And I had to hike to my car in the middle of the night. Oh my God. And, um, as I'm getting out of my tent, the raccoon is standing like across from me and out of nowhere, this tree branch, this massive tree branch just falls and hits the ground. And that I was just like, I hear you, 
I'm going. <laughs> like on my way out. Very sorry to have a <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's insane. And literally, I feel like that raccoon knew you were tripping and he was like, I'm gonna have some fun. Like, let's do this. The animals always know. You ever just be like tripping or like on a journey and your dog is doing something really weird or it just like starts throwing up and you're like, <laughs> <laughs> you're like how do you know like how do you alignment baby that dog's like I'm feeling my dark night of the soul right here with you yes oh I love that so much thank you for sharing the raccoon story that's freaking amazing so I like to finish up my interviews with rapid fire so how does a round of rapid fire feel sounds great yay okay so and I try to keep it rapid but I tend to like get sucked in so let's see how quick we can keep it um number one what is a book that impacted your life? Ooh, that's a good one. Just one. It's the hardest part. Okay. Um, writing sweetgrass. And what's the, what's the premise? What's the theme? So braiding sweetgrass is really like, of course I love herbs. That's my favorite thing. And she is, um, gosh, I don't want to butcher this. She's, I think that she's really like an herbalist. I haven't read it in a long time but she is very connected to the earth and it's honestly just like a love letter to Pachamama and like loving the earth and respecting the earth. And it's so good. I highly recommend if you want to feel like more connected to like herbal things and just like literally the planet that we live on, read it. It's so good. Love you Pachamama. Beautiful. I'm going to add that to my list. I love it. Okay. Next one. You're on a date you see a red flag. What's that red flag? What is that first date telling sign that you're like, no, nope, not gonna work? I think misogyny. Oh. Like any, any form of misogyny. If I'm telling, especially if I'm like telling a man or and, and I don't want to say like a man, anyone in general, if I'm telling Amen. someone yeah. like you know, um, something about me and, or like a problem that I'm having and they're automatically like, well, this is what I would do. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, never mind. <laughs> Mansplaining or like giving unsolicited advice is a big one. Yeah. And you're totally right on that being like a human thing. Cause I used to do that to people so bad and like I am female. So guys that doesn't discriminate, uh, check yourselves, make sure you're asking this question changed my life. Do you need support or advice? Asking yes. your friends that when they come to you will change your relationships. Do you need someone to listen or do you want advice? Because 99% of the time, they don't want your advice. They just want support and to be heard and seen and validated. So asking that can be a game changer. Yes. What did I give passion? Yeah, exactly. I literally said I'm not good at rapid fire. This is what I mean. Okay. So your animal is embodied in a, or your animal, your soul is embodied in an animal. What animal would that be? What animal just like, and you can say raccoon. It's okay to say raccoon. <laughs> Yeesh. <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, I don't think I'm savage enough to be a raccoon. Um, <laughs> primitive, bro. Seriously, yeah. I feel like I'm a lynx. Ooh. I want to be a lynx. Is that a fox? I think it's like, it's like a fox, but also kind of like a, I don't know, like cheetah vibe. If you ever look at them, they have like, they're like kind of whitish and they have like the pointed tipped ears and they're like soft. This is how I feel soft and feminine, but also like strong and don't fuck with me. You could know? tear your shit up if I needed to. Yeah. 
Oh, I love that. I'm a flamingo. I resonate with flamingos because I'm just like pink and bright and fly around. And I met some in Costa Maya, Mexico at the cruise port during my birthday this year in December. And I literally was like sobbing. They were like looking at me and one of them like bent his head down and was like trying to scratch an itch, but he looked all funny. I was like, oh, they're so cute. They're on my Instagram. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And your new photos, like your pink photos, that is so flamingo vibes. I love that. Giving pink. She a flamingo. I love it. Um, okay. One more rapid fire. Let's do. Do, 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 do. If you could tell the younger version of you, let's say 16 year old Serena, one thing, what would you say to her? It's big. Well, man, 16 year old Serena was going through some shit. Right. She needed to hear it. Yeah, she did. I would say, I would say loving yourself is probably is the best medicine that you can give yourself right now. And by loving yourself, setting boundaries, knowing what you want, knowing what you're okay with accepting and advocating, like learning to really advocate for yourself. I love that. Advocating for yourself, standing up for you, standing up for the things that you need and treating yourself like a friend. Like we would never talk to our friends the way that we talk to ourselves sometimes. And so being able to recognize <clears throat> that we are our own friend, I feel like is it's a big one. Yeah. Your relationship with yourself is the most important one you have. You have to go to sleep with you at the end of the night. That is so true. And we're the only person that we are born next to and die next to. Like we are the only person we're with through this entire journey. So we probably need to make peace with that person and like them, you know? 100%. Yes. Oh, I love it. Well, Serena, how can my listeners connect with you? Stay up to date, say hello. Where are you at? Yes. Um, I am at high vibe virtual on Instagram. That is where all of the things are happening. It's a beautiful community that I'm so, so proud of and just love so much on there. Just come hang with me. It's my favorite thing ever to just like talk to people. And I love all the healers and the coaches and just having like a really good sisterhood community, I think is really important. Yay. And I think it's beautiful that our community like has grown together even more. Now you're working with aid and I'm so happy. I was like, how did you get in touch with Serena? She's like, you guys went live one day. And I was like, yes, our girls are getting connected. This community is broadening. We just have the most incredible humans in this side of the internet, I feel like. No, seriously, it makes me so happy. I love aid so much. It's been so fun working with her. And like, I love the community that we've created. I think being on the internet is tricky it's hard sometimes to be on the internet but when I'm like at like when I'm on high vibe in that like internet space everything is so loving it's like so supportive we all support each other we're all here for each other we're all connecting and being vulnerable which I think is so important right now and it just feels like so delicious I love it feels so good and we're all learning from each other like I just signed up for I'm taking another course with aid and like we all learn from each other like we all take turns kind of like being the teacher and being the student but we're all like growing together as a collective and it feels really beautiful I talk to people a lot about what my life was before I found this side of the internet and like what it's like now. And I'm like, it is crazy. Like, I don't like to log on to my personal Instagram very much. It doesn't like fill me up. It's just kind of like, eh, notifications, but getting on my wishing you wellness page. I'm like, it's the fam. Everyone's here. We got the whole gang and it feels good to my soul. 
Dude, yes, I feel the same way. And I think a lot about the quote, um, a rising tide, I think it's like a rising tide raises all ships. So it's like, if I'm winning, you're winning. If you're winning, I'm winning. That's how I feel about everyone. Like there's no competition. Of course, like friendly competition is a thing, whatever, but I don't see it that way. I'm just like, we're all winning and I'm here for it because as women right now, like we need this. Yes. The higher we lift up our sisters, the higher we get lifted up. And so if we're all just like pouring positivity into each other, then we can't lose girls, girl power. That's what we're sending home with this episode. That's our driving home message. Also, since we did touch on plant medicines today, You guys won't be able to see this because I'm not posting the video, but Serena will. I am going to do a quick little plug for Vellum Health. They are incredible. They do microdoses. They have both psychedelic and non-psychedelic options. So there are some that have psilocybin strains, others that don't. Um, One of my favorites is actually just red reishi and ashwagandha. So it's very calming Um, dose. There are all different kinds. It kind of depends on what kind of trip you're looking for or what kind of microdose experience, but check them out. I will link them in the show notes here. If you use the code WYW, I had to think about that, 10, wishing you wellness 10, you'll get 10% off. Shoot them an email. um, Let them know that you came from me and they will get your order rushed out to you. And yeah, so I just to sum up this episode, Wow. How do you sum up this episode? There were, (laughs) I went to do it and I was like, Ooh, it was spicy. Um, spirituality, girl power, plant medicine, um, dating, all of the things. This is going to be one of those captions. that's just like really long. And it's like all the things we talked about, but yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as Serena and I did. We're both just sitting here beaming because we've been vibing. We both had a bad day going into this. And I feel like our souls really needed to connect and collaborate and just like, I feel like we both look so much happier than we did an hour ago. So thank you guys for having the space for us to be able to share and come on and just like lose ourselves for a second. It feels really good. Um, if you love this episode, give it a share and tag Serena and I, uh, leave a review and rating. I'm trying to think if there's anything else, new workshop on my site, go check it out. Yeah, that's about it. I love you guys. This has been real. It's been raw. It's been spiritual. It's been plant medicine. It's been giving. Okay. This has been wishing you wellness. (laughs) 